Hello, and welcome to the Loft Church weekly podcast in Amarillo, Texas. Each week, we seek to challenge, encourage, equip, and empower you to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ through gospel-centered worship. Thanks for joining us, and we hope that you are blessed by today's message from lead pastor Matt Johnson as he takes us through the book of Romans verse by verse. All right, we're in the 11th week of a series on Romans. And so we've been in chapter five now. This is our third week, and just a little bit at a time is what we're doing. And so I'm going to give you just a little bitty recap to get us going into this kind of wordy text today. Chapter one, Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Then he goes on to say that nobody has an excuse to know there's a divine creator because our God, our creator, has revealed himself through creation. But we've suppressed the truth walked in our own ways, sinful ways. And we don't have any excuse about that because either we have the law or we have the law that was written on our heart and a conscience to convict us of it. And he also wanted to talk to the Jews because they thought they would be protected from God's wrath and judgment. And he said, whether you sin inside that law or outside the law, you're still going to face God's wrath. Now, if you're in here and visiting with somebody, and you're going, yeah, Matt, but what about Jesus? Yeah, we got there. Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it all shifts The bad news is is coming to an end, and the good news starts. It says, but now, and he tells us that we've been justified, meaning that we've been found innocent, even though we did it, we're guilty. We've been redeemed, we've been purchased at a price, and our sins have been atoned for by the shedding of the blood of Jesus. Amazing news. In chapter 4, he talks about how that happens, and he just took us back to Abraham. He said it's exactly the same way it happened for him. That was before the laws, before circumcision. It wasn't about his moral character because he's a knucklehead. It was just by faith because he believed God. The same thing for us, not a religious practice involved, just faith alone in Christ alone. We finally get to chapter five and and we see the, the benefits of being justified. And just a couple of them are, is that we are at peace with God. And that's important because we were an enemy of God. But now we're at peace with him, so we can stand in his grace. We can boast about who God is, and we are filled with this Holy Spirit, which is overflowing with love, his love. And then last week, we took on this text that was really kind of confusing, but to sum it all up, it just says this. Why do we know that God would do these things in our life? Why would we have those benefits? And here's how we know. It's because when we were enemies of him, he died for us. How much more would he do now that we're at peace with him? With that said, we're going to dive into our text today, and I'm going to go through it faster than I normally would, so just hang on. Verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. When it said that death came to all people, it's saying that it was, sin was passed on to the, to the people after Adam, to everybody. Every single one of us. Now, quick story. Let's say that uh, today after church, uh, we go over to Synergy and we decide to watch a movie together. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of chaotic, but it'd be fun. We go to the concession stand, we get our popcorn and we get our, our Coke and we're ready to walk in. And there's somebody at the door that says, hey, um, you can't come in here with that stuff. I'd be like, excuse me? <laughs> I just paid a, a lot of money for this Coke and popcorn. And they say, here's the problem is there was a family in here before you, and they spilled their popcorn everywhere, and they spilled their drink everywhere, and so based on that, we're not letting anybody do it anymore. 
And it wouldn't seem unfair that we're having to pay the price for somebody else's actions. I told you that because I want you to see that Adam represented us. And based on his sin, now sin has been passed on to everybody else. And maybe we don't think that's fair, but it's the way it is. And reality is we would have done the same thing. Now, um, we have this sin nature that's been passed on to us. Um, it doesn't take us very long to figure out that everybody's got it. Quit another little story. I was on staff at another church, and we brought in a guy named Sean Groves. And he was a music guy who was all over Caleb, but he also worked for Compassion International, where you adopt children from Africa so they can go to school and, and be fed. And it's amazing ministry. Well, we were taking him to dinner one night, and we were asking about his son that he adopted, like literally adopted, that lives with him from Africa. And his name is Sambaji. And we said, hey, how long did it take Sambaji, which he got when he was like four or five years old, how long did it take him to go to Walmart? To go to Walmart and uh, be with your kids and all of a sudden cry because he didn't get a toy. You know what he said? I don't know what that noise is. Second time. Second time. You know why? Because it doesn't take long to see that we have a sin nature. It's in us. It's in every single one of us. And so... uh, uh, That's the big point of what's been passed on to us. Let's go to verse 13. It says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. That's confusing. Let's go to verse 14. I'll explain that. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one who is to come. Now, Peter at one point talks about how some of Paul's writings are hard to understand. And the reason why they're hard to understand is because of things like this right here. It appears that Paul's talking to somebody, and he like makes a statement where he's actually answering a question that maybe they had about sin between the time of Adam and Moses. Now, we know that there was sin that was happening, but it doesn't appear in the text that that's what he's saying. Now, let me just explain what he is saying here. There was sin between the time of Adam to the time of Moses, and how do we know it? Because death reigned. The wages of sin is death, and death absolutely reigned, and so we know sin was present. Now, here's the next thing. It says here that Adam is a pattern of the one to come. Now, sometimes from this stage in this church, we'll talk about types and shadows. You know, somebody in the Old Testament, when you look at their life, you can see out foreshadows to something in the New Testament. Now, Adam is in the pattern of Jesus, but I guess we can call him a type, but I tend to call him an anti-type. Because it's not where you look at Adam's life and go, wow, it looks like Jesus' life. It's the exact opposite. I'm going to read you a couple of examples. Because the work of Adam, many died. Now, Jesus, we just went all the way dark. And this is amazing because I can see my computer even better. Uh, Because of the work of Adam, all of us died. Because of the work on the cross by Jesus, we all live. Now, Adam walked in disobedience. Jesus walked in obedience. When tempted, Adam fell. When uh, Jesus was tested, he passed with flying colors. One brought death, one brought life. One made us sinners, and one made us righteous. Can you see where it's just polar opposites? It's an anti-type, and it's a pattern that is there for between the two. Now, 
With that said, what happens next gets really wordy. But what Paul is doing is now he's going to compare Adam and Jesus. He's going to compare sin and grace. And if you keep that in your mind, if that's what he's trying to do, it all makes sense. Let's go to verse 15. It says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did, did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now, I don't know if you noticed, and I don't have time to go into all of it. I don't know if you noticed that Adam keeps getting blamed for the sin where we know that Eve sinned first. You notice that? Let me tell you this little, little example. Let's say that the movie theater didn't work out, so we all went to the Texas Roadhouse. Now, that would be busy, because it's always busy, right? So we go into Texas Roadhouse, and we go, hey, I want to order a steak. They take off the order. They come back, and we ask, actually order that steak to be medium. But it comes back, and it's, it's, I mean, it's so burnt, you can't do anything with it. And so, hey, it's not right. You tell your, your waiter or waitress, and so they take it back. Then they come back, and they don't even cook it this time. They just bring out the steak. You're like, no, man, we're not getting this right. And you go, you don't go, hey, can I get the cook out here? You would say, hey, can I get your manager? You would go right to the one that's in charge at the moment. I'm telling you that because that's how this worked. Adam made on his sin first, but Adam was supposed to be head of the woman. He was responsible that day. And so that's why he's called out here. And we see that same order take place in the scriptures. If I had time, I'd go through some of it with you. Let's go to verse 16. It says, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift, which is salvation, followed many trespasses and brought justification. Verse 17, it says, for if by the trespass, of the one man, death reigned through that one man. How much, uh, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Verse 18, it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Verse 19 says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. You see how it's wordy? You see what he's talking about? You see the compare and the contrast? But let me, let me tell you a little story. My dad got married a few weeks ago. Some of you guys know that. And my mom had passed and kind of three years ago. And it's been a great journey and it's been a joy and it's great. And uh, they're not here today. They're in Rio Dosa. And so they're just living it up, I guess. And so, uh, but they bought a new house and it's really close to ours. And me and Zane went over, Zane's our oldest son, went over to put together a desk. And if you've ever put it together, things like that, it's not for the week, I'm telling you. It's not. I didn't like it, but I did my best to, to get it together. Now, the problem isn't putting together the desk. The problem is when we go over to their house, she's got a little dog. His name is Mister, right? His name is Mister. We could have called him Piranha or Cujo or something because he's a biter. 
Now, if you're wondering what kind of dog he is, I'll just go ahead and tell you, he's a ferocious chihuahua. That's what he is, right? I don't like chihuahuas. I've been bitten by a couple of dogs in my life, all been chihuahuas. And so I don't like him, and I don't like, it, I don't like to get bit, and he will. He will bite, and he draws blood, okay? And so uh, when we go over there, they know what to do. They put a muzzle on him. They do. <laughs> you're like, that's mean. I'm just telling you, it's necessary. So... So we go over there, and Kudra, I mean, uh, Mr., he, he's, he's got his muzzle on his face. And I'm sitting in, back in the back room in their office, and Zane's on the floor too, and we're putting together this desk. And I look down the hallway, and here comes Mr. He comes Mr., right? But he's got a muzzle on, right? No, not this time. He had gotten it off, and it was hanging off his face. And so all of a sudden I go, Zane, he doesn't have his muzzle on. And I get up and I dive at the door and I'm like, no! And I'm like, oh yes, oh yes, right. Let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm overreacting? <laughs> I don't know. Let me ask you another question. Because of one man's sin, one man's trespass, do you think God overreacted? God's response to sin, it tells us how much he hates it. How much he wants nothing to do with it. How much he doesn't want to be around it. To the point that he would die for it. Let's go to the next part. Before I read it, I just want to remind you that our God demands perfection. But he also made a way. Let's go to verse 20. It says the law was brought in so that the trespass may increase. That doesn't seem fair, does it? But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What an amazing text. It's like, man, the law was brought in. Remember, the law is not a dirty word. It shows the character of God. It shouldn't be a bad thing. It exposed our sin. It exposed our need for a Savior. And so now that there was more exposure, we could see that sin was more prevalent. But where sin abounded, we see that grace abounds even more. If you're anything like me, man, that's that scripture I struggle with. I was going, oh, man, did you have to put that in here, Paul? Because it's almost like, man, I'll just go on sinning because then God's grace will be even more, and that seems awesome. We're not the only ones to think that because next week's sermon, that's what it's about, and he addresses it. His grace and his blood and the sacrifice and the gift of salvation is not supposed to be taken like that. It shouldn't lead us to have a license to sin, but should lead us into a place of serving and gratitude and reflecting Christ to others. That's what it should look like. And we'll talk about it next week some more. So Paul does this compare and contrast. We know that Jesus is greater than Adam. We know through one came life, another one came death. We know that grace is greater than 
sin. Amazing, right? But sometimes we may not believe it. Or maybe we might not even think that God would allow us to walk in that too. And so uh, I've gone through this really fast, and now I can calm down and give you a story. And so uh, let me just start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he saw that it was good. Eventually, he's going to create Adam, and God saw that something was missing. He didn't have a suitable helper, so out of Adam's own body, he created Eve. Not so one could rule over another, but so they could exist together in a beautiful relationship. Must have been amazing for just a little while. They're in this lush garden. I can't imagine the beautiful colors and the sounds. And God had told them some rules in the garden, though. He said, hey, um, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from the one right there in the middle. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't offer meat from that one. And if you're a believer in here, maybe at some point somebody said, hey, your God is a restricting God. I want you to know he's not. He's a God that knows us and he cares about us and he wants what's best for us. So he's not restricted if he just puts some boundaries because he knows what's best. And he knew is what was best if we didn't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. He said, if you eat from it, you'll die. It didn't take very long. We're just in chapter 3 of Genesis and Eve is tempted by this serpent. The serpent says, did God really say you couldn't eat from any trees in the garden? That's not what God said, right? He said, just not from the one, the one tree. She says, if you touch it or we eat from it, we'll die. And Satan says, oh, you won't surely die. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. And death reigned because of it. I picture Eve looking at that tree. And if it's anything like sin now, it is shiny, it is colorful, and it looks amazing. And I'm going to tell you that sin overpromises and underdelivers. It seems like it will satisfy and it never will. Oh, it's fun until it's not. And it separates us from God. But she took of that forbidden fruit and she ate of it. Not only that, her husband was there and she just handed it and he ate too. It always reminds me and gets me really frustrated when I go through this text about the passivity of men. When it comes to following the Lord, man, many of them are on the golf course today, playing video games or doing something else they just want to do for themselves. And oh, you go to church, 65% of the local church is made up of women. So Adam's just standing there and just, okay, give it to me. I'll take it too. And everything changed. You see, before that moment, did you know that they were naked and they had no shame? I mean, can you imagine that? Like, I'm naked and I'm not shameful. They were naked and they were unashamed. But fast forward and God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And we assume some things in the Bible, and we assume that Adam and Eve would have been with God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, but sin separates us from God, so they couldn't be there. And so they hide. And so God calls out, he says, where are you? And when God asks questions in the Bible, it isn't because he doesn't know the answer. It wasn't like, man, we're playing hide-and-go-seek, and I just don't know where. No, he knew exactly where they were. He says, where are you? And Adam responds, and he says, we heard you in the garden. We knew we were naked, and so we hid. The shame and the guilt and, was on them, and God responds with another question that he knows the answer to. He says, who told you that you were naked? When he says, who told you that you were naked? Maybe he was saying, hey, here's your opportunity to confess. I don't know. Or maybe what he was trying to say is, who told you that you were naked? Because it was not me. I didn't say that. Who are you listening to? I tell you those things this morning. As I went very fast through some scriptures where it talks about sin and talks about grace and talks about radical grace, that grace is so powerful that no matter how big that sin is, that it goes over the top of it and it covers it. But the reality is, is we're still playing the same old tricks as before. We're allowing the enemy to get one over on us. And we think things like, man, God would never do that for me. My sin is too great. You don't know what I've done. I don't matter that much. And I want you to hear this. Who told you that he wouldn't do it? Who told you that you didn't matter? Who told you that he wouldn't love you? Who told you that where sin was present, the grace did not abound even more? Who told you that? Because whoever told you that, that wasn't God. He's made provision. And you haven't gone too far to be reconciled to the Father. Where sin is present, grace abounds more. Will you stand with me on this prayer? Father, we thank you for your love and grace. Man, Jesus, you're way better than Adam. Your grace is way better than sin. And your love is so much more than we can imagine. Lord, I pray for all those in the room that maybe struggle with that. It turns into a pride issue. And Lord, break it down and bring us to our knees to a place of repentance where you can have your way. We hadn't sinned too much or gone too far and done anything that your blood and your grace could not cover. Radical grace. Lord, may it not take us to a place where we have a license to sin. May our heart be in such a posture that it represents you as somebody that's saved and understands what that means. Lord, we love and praise your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, if you enjoyed this message, there's a couple things we'd love you to do. Go to your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This helps get the word out. And don't forget to download our church app, visit our social media, and check out our website at www.theloft.church. Thanks again for joining us on the Loft Church Weekly Podcast. Remember, it's not about you and me. It's about a Savior named Jesus. Go make him famous.